So now, uh, bear in mind, the Antichrist and his kings are staged in a valley just north of Jerusalem. While they are there, something happens to their headquarters. Something happens to their capital of Babylon. Uh, it says that all of the kings of the world have uh, amassed themselves in the valley of um, Jezreel, in the uh, valley of Armageddon. And while they are gone, Babylon is destroyed. Uh, <clears throat> first, uh, let's look at what Babylon is, and we'll see that it truly is a very evil city and a very evil, uh, with very evil intentions. Uh, there's a very interesting prophecy from Zechariah 5, uh, where Zechariah is being shown the rebuilding of Babylon in the Valley of Shinar. So he's, uh, he records here, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and there two women were coming out with the wind in their wings, and they had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heavens. Now, these are the kind of verses that we skip over because they don't make sense. Um, but it's, it's always a good idea to spend a little bit more time in those verses that don't make sense at first. Because when we look at what an ephah is, we see that it's often used as a symbol of the economy and especially governing powers over the economy. And that's what's happening in Babylon is it's specifically a political and economic center for the whole world all economy is going to be filtered through Babylon. Um, here the Epha is spoken of in, uh, in the law in Leviticus 19. Uh, Israel is told, you shall do no wrong in judgment, in measuring, or in measurement of weight or capacity. You shall have just balances and just weights, a just Epha and a just Hin. Those were their measurements specifically of food and grain. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt. In Zechariah 5, 6 through 8, just a few verses earlier than that vision that uh, is being explained to Zechariah, we see a bit more detail to this vision of the Ephah. It says, uh, I said, what is it? And he said, this is the Ephah going forth. This is the economy going forth. Again, he said, this is their appearance in all the land. And behold, a lead cover was lifted up and this is a woman sitting in, and yeah, and this is a woman sitting inside the ephah. Uh, we will spend more time on this when we see the religious side to Babylon as well in chapter 17 of uh, Revelation. But uh, it says, then he said, this is wickedness. And he threw her down into the middle of the ephah and cast a lead weight on its opening. Now, the addition of these lead weights into the ephah makes an unjust ephah. It makes an unjust economy, or we could say an artificially inflated uh, economy. And notice here in Revelation 6, the third, uh, the third horseman was an inflated economy uh, for the purpose of artificial, uh, artificial famine. It says, when he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, come, I looked and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. 
and do not damage the oil and the wine. Uh, so this, uh, remember, was what we identified as the Antichrist's efforts to inflate the economy to consolidate power to himself so that all uh, world commerce might filter through Babylon. Uh, we might notice from the world around us today, when you control the supply chain, you control the citizens as well. And that's what Babylon is doing. It has wrung the neck of the entire world by filtering all economy through it and artificially inflating that uh, so as to gain control over them. And more than that, they have uh, implemented a mark without which you cannot buy or sell. So most of the world, or at least the world that has refused to take this mark, is going to be artificially tortured uh, by this supply chain cutoff. Um, here in the Battle of Armageddon, um, it's turned twofold back on Babylon. In Revelation 18, verse 3, we see that it is uh, that a lot of this, a lot of the purpose behind the destruction of Babylon has to do with the way that they have treated the rest of the world economically um, and religiously. And remember, Babylon is an economic and religious institution, though tonight we're only really looking at the economic side of Babylon. Um, so here in Revelation 18.3, it says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. So notice while some are enduring this artificial famine, others are getting rich off of, uh, off of Babylon. In verses 9 and 10 of Revelation 18, it says, or it, uh, it addresses the first class of people that has been artificially inflated by Babylon, and that is the political elite. Um, it says the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and lived sensuously with her will weep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance because of the fear of the torment, saying, woe, woe is the great city Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come. The corrupt merchants are also going to uh, wail over the destruction of the city. And why I say these are corrupt merchants is not just because they deal unjustly economically, but look at some of the things that they are buying and selling and trading as well. So it says, and the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. And an example of their cargo, fine flour and wheat and cattle and sheep and cargoes of horses and chariots and slaves and human lives. Uh, they are human trafficking at this point as well through this um, head of economy in Babylon. Uh, this is part of the reason that Babylon will be destroyed because of the way they have treated the rest of the world. Also, those um, who are part of the beast's shipping industry, now they're dealt a double blow in this last few days of the tribulation period because not only are their shipping lanes turned to blood, uh, but their shipping center in Babylon has also been destroyed. So it says, every shipmaster and every passenger and sailor and as many as make their living by the sea stood at a distance, and they threw dust on their heads and were crying out, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe to the great city in which all who had ships at sea became rich by her wealth, 
for in one hour she has been laid waste. So I think this as well is why uh, back in the trumpet judgments, the ships that are destroyed are specifically pointed out because a lot of the shipping industry is going to be controlled by this world economy from Babylon. And notice uh, that many of these sailors are still working in the economy and they're still making money and becoming rich, indicating that they have indeed taken the mark of the beast because that's the only way they can participate in the economy. Um, so these are all of the people who are benefiting off of the corrupt economy of Babylon. So here comes God's indictment then of Babylon. In Revelation 18, 6, it says, pay her back even as she has paid and give back to her double according to her deeds. In the cup which she has mixed, mix twice as much for her. So God is retaliating against Babylon, but he's retaliating double. Uh, and this is important because God has told Israel that because they are his firstborn, he is going to deal twice as harshly with them. But God is going to give um, the same punishment as he would give to them to those nations which have oppressed them um, if they come to faith in him. So this is um, our first indication that Israel, through this war, is coming to faith in the Messiah because her enemies are being dealt with um, twice as brutally as they have dealt with Israel. Um, but the first, uh, the first clause, I guess, in this indictment against Babylon is for their religious persecution against the whole world. So it says, your merchants were the great men of the earth because all the nations were uh, deceived by your sorcery. And in her, that is in Babylon, was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on the earth. Uh, so God is pinpointing Babylon as that core, uh, core cause of rebellion over the entire earth. Uh, and really it is the core cause because Babylon is uh, essentially the first rebellion of this earth because this birth this earth was rebirthed through the flood and Babel was the first rebellion that took place afterwards on a national scale with Nimrod as its king and the Antichrist um, has sometimes even been called the reincarnation of Nimrod. Um, he will act on this earth in the same way Nimrod did. So essentially bookends to this age of the earth. Uh, but get Babylon... Uh, also is being uh, indicted for its influence over the nations, its corrupting power uh, to corrupt those people of the earth. It says, Babylon has been a golden cup in the hand of the Lord, intoxicating all the earth. The nations have drunk of her wine, therefore the nations are going mad. Suddenly Babylon has fallen and been broken, wail over her. This is from Jeremiah 51.7. Jeremiah 51, 8, bring balm for her pain. Perhaps she may be healed. We applied healing to Babylon, but she was not healed. Forsake her and let us each go to our own country, for her judgment has reached to heaven and towers up to the very skies. Now, Babylon has been torn down before. Babylon has been restored before. Babylon, again, was torn down, uh, but not from war 
Babylon was captured without a war and torn down, but it will be built up again. And at that point, its judgment is going to reach the heavens and tower up to the skies. This is the, uh, the third inflection of Babylon that will be destroyed. <clears throat> They're being indicted for their reprehensibility against the rest of the world in the way that they've treated them. So not only have they intoxicated them and led them astray, but also after leading the world astray, it has dealt with them cruelly. So here it says in Jeremiah 51, 25, behold, I am against you, O destroying mountain, who destroys the whole earth, declares the Lord. And I will stretch out my hand against you and roll you down from the crags. And I will make you a burnt, uh, make you a burnt out mountain. They will not take you take from you even a stone for a corner, nor a stone for foundation, but you will be desolate forever, declares the Lord. Now, God is uh, narrowing down on the causes of uh, Babylon's indictment, and here he's coming to what I think is the, the uh, key issue, and that is Babylon's mistreatment of Israel, not only in its... Uh, in the Antichrist's reign, but the entire uh, lifespan of Babylon since Babel. But I will repay Babylon and all the inhabitants of Chaldea for all their evil that they have done in Zion before your eyes, declares the Lord. May the, may the violence done to me and to my flesh be upon Babylon. The inhabitant of Zion will say, and may my blood be upon the inhabitants of Chaldea, Jerusalem will say. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I am going to plead your case and exact full vengeance for you, and I will dry up her sea and make her fountain dry. So this is God's indictment against Babylon for its mistreatment of Israel, its mistreatment of the Jewish people, its mistreatment of Jerusalem, and also of the temple itself, uh, because the king of Babylon is going to put himself in the temple of God and declare that he himself is God. Uh, so here in Jeremiah 51, 48, it says, then heaven and earth and all that is in them will shout for joy over Babylon, for the destroyers will come to her from the north, declares the Lord. Indeed, Babylon is to fall for the slain of Israel as also for Babylon, the slain of all the earth have fallen. All right, so now we come right up to the edge of this destruction of Babylon. We've seen why Babylon will be destroyed, and it's going to be specifically a, uh, an act of God against Babylon. But just as he brought the Antichrist armies against Jerusalem for his purposes, so he is bringing Gentile armies against Babylon for his purposes it's not likely that these Gentile armies will even realize that they are acting on behalf of God. They are acting against this nation or this uh, kingdom which has oppressed them. Uh, so here in Revelation 18, 21, an angel declares uh, this destruction over Babylon. It says, then a strong angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea saying, so will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will not be found any longer. Right. 
So on the eve of destruction, there is a small group of people who will escape from the destruction of Babylon. And uh, we won't be surprised at all to realize that those were the Jews uh, who, get, who were in Babylon will be allowed to escape. Now, these are probably Jews who have been held captive in Babylon uh, or Jews um, who, yeah, well, I, I really see that as the only option. They will have had to have been held captive there. They will somehow supernaturally be allowed to leave uh, because they will be listening to God and they will not have taken the mark of the beast. Therefore, they can't be there legally. Uh, in Revelation 18, 4 through 5, we see this first announcement. Uh, it says, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. In Jeremiah 50, verses 8 and 9, the same thing is prophesied. It says, wander away from the midst of Babylon and go forth from the land of the Chaldeans. Be also like male goats at the head of the flock. For behold, I am going to arouse and bring up against Babylon a horde of great nations from the land of the north. And they will draw up their battle lines against her. From there, she will be taken captive. And in Jeremiah 51, a chapter later, it says, For neither Israel nor Judah has been forsaken by his God and the Lord of hosts, although their land is full of guilt before the Holy One of Israel. Flee from the midst of Babylon, and each of you save his life. Do not be destroyed in her punishment. For this is the Lord's time of vengeance. He is going to render recompense to her. So God is telling the Jews to flee from inside Babylon, and he is giving them the opportunity and the chance to do so. He says, come forth from her midst, my people, and each of you save yourselves from the fierce anger of the Lord. You who have escaped the sword, depart. Do not stay. Remember the Lord from afar and let Jerusalem come to your mind. So when they escape from Babylon, they are supposed to let Jerusalem come to their mind. When they escape from Babylon on the eve of Babylon's destruction, they will head west towards Jerusalem, which is being surrounded by the Antichrist's armies. And a message is going to come out from Babylon and also find its way to the Antichrist himself says, one courier runs to meet another and one messenger to meet another to tell the king of Babylon that his city has been captured from, the, from end to end. The fords also have been seized and they have burned the marshes with fire and the men of war are terrified. Now, at this point, it's probably expedient to say this has never happened before in Babylon's history. When Babylon was captured uh, by uh, by Darius in uh, Daniel chapter 5. You can also read about it in the first book of um, Herodotus, uh, paragraph 191. It talks about the, the capture of Babylon by the Medo-Persians. It was captured without destroying a single thing in the city. And the only casualty was King Belshazzar. Here, the only survivor is the king of Babylon, and he is not in the city at the time of its capture. A courier has to take word to him of its destruction. 
which means he's not in the city at the time, um, likely because he is staged for war outside of Jerusalem at the time the city of Babylon is destroyed. And when he receives word, uh, Jeremiah uh, 51.10 tells us, the Lord has brought about our vindication. Come and let us recount in Zion the work of the Lord our God. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a verse too fast in explaining. Uh, this is uh, the Jews. The Lord has brought about our vindication. He has brought down Babylon. Remember, the purpose for bringing down Babylon uh, was uh, because of their mistreatment for Israel. So God has vindicated them. This is probably the first stage in their, uh, their reckoning of uh, God is for us and this Antichrist is no Messiah. He is against us. Um, come and let us recount in Zion, in Jerusalem. Let us tell about what has happened in Babylon, in Zion, where the Antichrist is. Uh, this was the work of the Lord, our God. Then in Jeremiah 50, we read about uh, the Antichrist's response to hearing that Babylon has been destroyed. It says, the king of Babylon has heard the report about them, and his hands hang limp. Distress has gripped him, agony like a woman in childbirth. So at this point, Keep in mind, the Antichrist is demonically empowered. Um, he has two wills. He has his own personal will of power. He has his second will, uh, which is that demonic influence of uh, satanic purpose. So he has a human purpose and a satanic purpose here. Um, his, uh, his throne has just been destroyed as a man. But Satan understands that his only means of keeping power over this earth is to destroy Israel. All right, but let's talk about the attack of Babylon a little bit. It will come by Gentile armies from the north. Uh, the oracle concerning Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos saw, lift up a standard on the bare hill, raise your voice to them, wave the hand that they may enter the doors of the nobles. I have commanded my consecrated ones I have even called my mighty warriors, my proudly exalting ones to execute my anger. God has called these consecrated ones from the nations of the north into Babylon to enact his will. Uh, again, just as it is possible that the uh, Antichrist armies have no idea that they're acting in God's will by acting in their own corrupt wills. So it may not be the case that these Gentile powers uh, realize that they are acting in God's uh, will, but they will be. It's a sound of tumult on the mountains like that of many people, a sound of the uproar of kingdoms O nations gathered together. In Isaiah 13, which that uh, prophecy from, uh, oh, uh, we're still in Isaiah 13. Uh, the Lord of hosts is mustering the army for battle they are coming from a far country, from the furthest horizons, the Lord and his instruments of indignation to destroy the whole land. The context here of Ezekiel 13 and 14 is uh, the destruction of Babylon. Here in Jeremiah 50, which also is in the context of the destruction of Babylon, uh, it says, for behold, I am going to arouse and bring up against Babylon 
a horde of great nations from the land of the north, and they will draw up their battle lines against her. From there, she will be taken captive. Their arrows will be like an expert warrior who does not return empty-handed. Chaldea will become plunder. All who plunder her will have enough, declares the Lord. And he continues, behold, a people is coming from the north and a great nation to make, or, and many kings will be aroused from the remote parts of the earth. They seize their bow and javelin. They are cruel and have no mercy. Their vo voice roars like the sea and they ride on horses, marshaled like a man for battle against you, O daughter of Babylon. In Jeremiah 51, just a little bit further, um, it's again further pinpointed. It says, thus says the Lord, behold, I am going to arouse against Babylon and against the inhabitants of Lev Ka'ami, which uh, means in, I, I'm not sure why the NASB did not fully translate this. Uh, it means in Hebrew, the heart of those who rise up against me. Uh, I think it would have been better translated. Anyways, uh, the spirit of a destroyer, I will dispatch foreigners to Babylon and they will winnow her and may devastate her land. For on every side, they will be opposed to her in the day of her calamity. So notice specifically, these are not Jewish armies coming against um, Babylon. These are foreigners. These are God's consecrated ones. These are uh, kings of other nations. The only kings uh, that are outside then of those uh, seven king nations that have come with the Antichrist against Jerusalem are the three kingdoms which he has suppressed or oppressed. Uh, the three kings that he has cut down, these kingdoms, um, I think, come against Babylon after that. Uh, finally, we're told a bit more about the location of those Gentile nations and armies which come against Babylon says, consecrate the nations against her. Uh, remember God's consecrated ones, who are they? The kings of the Medes, their governors, and all their uh, prefects, and every land of their dominion. Um, so I think this is specifically from the Median area, which is the Caucasus regions um, of Armenia and those, uh, those nations south of Russia. Uh, so the so the land quakes and writhes for the purposes of the Lord against Babylon stand to make the land of Babylon a desolation without inhabitants. So this is what's going on then. As the Antichrist has made his way to Jerusalem and he is uh, staged against Jerusalem up in the valley of Jezreel, these nations of the north come down and attack Babylon at the best possible time, uh, because all of its forces have now left, uh, they have abandoned the area. Uh, there's a good parallel to this in uh, Joshua, where they convince the armies to come out against them, and they have staged their battalions behind the city, so that when all the men leave the city uh, to go to war against Israel, then the warriors can enter into the city and take it easily. Uh, I can't remember exactly where that was. I think it was the Battle of Ai, Ai in uh, Joshua around chapter seven or eight. Uh, but this is going to be the northern Mesopotamian region 
Syria, uh, or from Syria all the way up to Armenia are these uh, regions. It might even include parts of Turkey uh, on the Asian side of Turkey. And then what happens when these Gentile armies come against Babylon? The messengers or the Jewish couriers will take word to Jerusalem that Babylon has been destroyed and the Antichrist will hear about the destruction of his capital city, Babylon. And it's going to happen quick. Uh, Revelation 18 says it happens in an hour. Um, so it's not going to be a long, drawn-out battle. It's only one city to take. Uh, not that that's an easy task, but with God supernaturally aiding them, it won't take long. And here is the extent of that damage that takes place. In Jeremiah 51, it says, Let not him who bends his bow bend it, nor let him raise up the scale armor. So do not spare her young men. Devote all her army to destruction. Um, in other words, spare no one, spare nothing. They will fall down slain in the land of the Chaldeans and pierced through in their streets. I will rise up against them, declares the Lord of hosts, and will cut off from Babylon name and survivors, offspring and posterity. This is Isaiah 14, uh, declares the Lord. I will also make it a possession for the hedgehog and swamps of water, and I will sweep it with the broom of destruction, declares the Lord of hosts. Notice this, has, this is very similar to what the Lord says will happen to Israel because of her disobedience in Leviticus 26. It says when people walk by and see this uh, swamp land, they'll hiss at, at the destruction and wonder, why has God brought such destruction against his people? And they'll say because of their disobedience against his covenants. Well, here, Jeremiah or Isaiah, rather, is using very similar language to talk about the destruction of Babylon. And remember, uh, when Israel comes to faith, when Israel comes to obedience in their covenant, God is going to uh, turn on her enemies the same wrath that would come against her. So in Jeremiah 50, it says the noise of battle is in the land and great destruction. How the hammer of the whole earth has been cut off and broken. Babylon would be the hammer of the whole earth. Um, how Babylon has become an object of horror among the nations. I set a snare for you, and you were also caught, O Babylon, while you yourself were not aware. You have been found and also seized because you have engaged in conflict with the Lord. Be uh, the Lord has opened his armory and has uh, brought forth the weapons of his indignation, for it is the work of the Lord of hosts in the land of the Chaldeans. So notice this is directly uh, because of his amassing of his armies outside of Jerusalem, God says, you come against my city, I come against your city. Therefore, the desert creatures will live there along with the jackals. The ostriches also will live in it, and it will never again be inhabited or dwelt in from generation to generation. As when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah with its neighbors, declares the Lord, no man will live there nor will any son of man reside in it. So does anyone know where Sodom and Gomorrah is today? Easy answer is no. We don't even know where it was. We don't know where it is. 
we can't find ruins of it. It has been so utterly destroyed. It will never again be lived in. Now, this day and age, uh, people are all talking about Damascus and the destruction of Damascus. And uh, yeah, that's going to happen first, but it's not nearly as complete as the destruction of Babylon. Damascus will be lived again, in again, in the millennial kingdom. Babylon will not. Babylon will remain empty. Um, even in the millennial kingdom, it is a permanently judged tract of land that will never again be inhabited by any man. This has also not happened yet. And until Babylon is not dwelt in, this prophecy is not fulfilled. Um, so we know that we are looking forward to a future fulfillment of that prophecy. All right, the last little section here in the destruction of Babylon is when will it happen? Uh, it will happen, again, um, when it is a final destruction, meaning that it is still future while there is any human living in the area of Babylon. Uh, there are quite a few people living in the area of Babylon today. Uh, this judgment has never taken place. Isaiah 13 says, and Babylon, the beautiful, or the beauty of kingdoms, the glory of the Chaldeans' pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It will never be inhabited or lived in from generation to generation, nor will the Arab pitch his tent there, nor will shepherds make their flocks to lie down there. Both Arabs and flocks live and dwell in the area of Babylon today. So we know that at least this is a future judgment of Babylon. Uh, Isaiah continues and says, but desert creatures will lie down there and their houses will be full of owls. Ostriches will also live there and shaggy goats will frolic there. Hyenas will howl in their fortified towers and jackals in their luxurious places. Her fateful time will also soon come and her days will not be prolonged. Uh, now we're going to spend a bit more time on what is going to happen to Babylon during the millennial kingdom once we get to Revelation 20 when we deal with the millennial kingdom. Um, but likely this will be the place where uh, demons and Satan himself are held for final judgment um, at the end of the millennial kingdom. Uh, there's a bit of evidence for that. Uh, I think at the beginning of Isaiah 14, uh, I will uh, I will let you know specifically once we get there. Uh, but there's pretty good evidence that this will be the place of captivity for those uh, those who rebelled against God in the spiritual realm. Uh, all right, Isaiah thirteen nine says, "Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury and burning anger, to make the land a desolation, and He will exterminate its sinners from it." Uh, this is, again, in the context of the destruction of Babylon in Isaiah 13. And the timing element is the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is, a, is prophetic language for the last days, at least the last seven years, but more likely the day or uh, uh, the campaign of Armageddon, which leads to the return of Messiah. So this is speaking then of the last days, the day of the Lord. And it also happens in conjunction with the regeneration of Israel. It says the peoples will take them along and bring them to their places and the house of Israel will possess them as an inheritance in the land of the Lord, 
as male servants and female ser servants, and they will take their captors captive and will rule over their oppressors. They will ask for the way to Zion, turning their faces in its direction. They will come and they will join themselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will not be forgotten. Remember, this war is leading them to faith in the God of their covenants and the fulfillment of their covenants, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant given to them, the Davidic covenant, the seed covenant, and the land, or the Davidic new and uh, land covenant, which are all part of that Abrahamic covenant. Jesus Christ has already fulfilled the Mosaic covenant, the law, and the Abrahamic covenant he will fulfill on the day of his return to rescue Israel from the armies of the Antichrist and to establish his kingdom and to return to Israel their land, give them the full plot promised to them and rule over them perfectly in an eternal, uh, from the eternal throne of David. Uh, so the Abrahamic covenant still awaits fulfillment and that's what's being spoken of here. The third part of the Abrahamic covenant, which is uh, the new covenant, the regeneration spiritually of Israel. It says, in those days and at that time, declares the Lord, uh, search will be made for the iniquity of Israel, but there will be none. And for the sins of Judah, but they will not be found. For I will pardon those whom I leave as a remnant. Now, we haven't done the new covenant yet in our foundations. Uh, that's coming after Revelation 18. Uh, but these three passages about the return of uh, Jesus Christ and the regeneration of Israel have to do with the land covenant. They will return to Zion and it will be theirs. Uh, and the new covenant, they, there will be no iniquity left in them. Mm -hmm.